Good morning. We are so delighted to have you here at Sukkot Shalom. It means a great deal to us that you are sharing our sacred space. Sukkot Shalom means a sukkah, a shelter of peace. A sukkah is open. It has no walls or doors. Its roof is made up of leaves and limbs and boughs of trees. And so it is open both to the divine, but also to all of our neighbors. And so we welcome you especially. It's very meaningful. I thought I would speak just a bit about those aspects of Judaism that may be different from Christianity in terms of philosophy and theology. What do Jews believe that is different from what Christians believe? There is so much we have in common, and indeed, we share the same text, but we often read it in different ways. There is an awful lot I could say to help us understand our similarities as well as our differences, but let me offer two very simple pieces, and then I will expand on the third. In Christianity, God is manifest in the presence of Jesus on earth. In Judaism, God is manifest in the Torah, in the five books of Moses, in the scroll, but beyond that in the Hebrew Bible, and then beyond that in rabbinic literature, in the Talmud, and in all the writings. So we discover God in the text. We read the text very carefully to understand the message that might be there. Another way in which we share a story but read it differently is as, for example, the story of Eden. In many ways, Christianity reads the story of Eden as fall from grace, disobedience, sin. The rabbis read the story of Eden more as awareness, waking up, the eyes being opened. Rabbi Harold Kushner said, it is not so much paradise lost as paradise outgrown. That changes us, I think, in many ways. But let me now offer you the most radical statement I can make about our differences. You're going to hear this and wonder, is it possible that I have all of my senses? <laughs> this is a radical statement for Jews in general, and certainly not everyone might agree with me. But I would say that you don't need to believe in God to be Jewish. Now, what I mean by that is Judaism also is culture, it's history, it is tradition. One can be a very clearly identified Jew and still not be a believer. Some of you may have Jewish friends or Jewish neighbors or co-workers and you look at them and they identify very strongly as being Jewish, and yet they don't go to synagogue on a regular basis, they don't seem to do anything religious, but yet they identify culturally part of the peoplehood of Judaism. So you can be a great Jew and an atheist. David Ben-Gurion and Golda Meir and the early founders of Zionism were socialists, communists, but absolute rejectors of a Jewish belief in God. Indeed, 
so was the case of various Jewish intellectuals and free thinkers over the ages, from Spinoza to Marx and Freud and Einstein. In contrast, I don't think you can be an atheist and a Lutheran, or a Presbyterian or a Methodist. <laughs> Those are religious communities that assume a belief in God. When you enter a synagogue or temple sanctuary, there is no creed similar to the Catholic creed or the Apostles' Creed saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and so forth. But that doesn't mean that Judaism lacks a belief. You don't need to believe in God, but you cannot believe that you are God. We are not God. We are humans. If you think you're God, you're wrong. You are idolatrous. You have sinned. Narcissism is heresy. That's really the message of the book of Exodus, and to some extent, Numbers and Leviticus. The narrative is all about a battle between God and Pharaoh. Pharaoh thought he was God. He was omnipotent. He was the ruler of all that he saw. He was all-powerful. He could order death of newborn children. He could enslave people. He acted with impunity. He himself was the law. Most importantly, he believed he was immortal. But we know better. Pharaoh was not God, and God would prove it. Not just by being more powerful, but by being more godlike. Pharaoh was a pale substitute for the true God. God, the eternal one, that is the real God. And here is how the God, how the true God acts. God frees the slaves and then commands, Thou shalt observe the Sabbath every week, one day off. One day each and every week you are to have a day of rest, but not just a day off from work, rather a day on which you can be fulfilled and find spiritual meaning in your life. What would Pharaoh say? Take a day off? Every single week? That would be the opposite of slavery. What does Pharaoh care if his slaves are spiritually fulfilled? If by chance there is a day off from labor, it would be by an act of Pharaoh's personal capriciousness, done by whim. Pharaoh built pyramids of stone. God understood Abraham Maslow's pyramid, that humans are meant to achieve actualization. And God wanted that for us, self-actualization, self-fulfillment, meaning. The true God says in Exodus, bring me gifts, but only if your heart so moves you. Pharaoh demanded tribute, as would any despot, but he absolutely had no concern about whether the slaves wanted to do so or not. The real God said, let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God wants to be near us. Pharaoh wants to be as distant as possible. Living in a palace as inaccessible to ordinary folks as imaginable. Far removed from the messiness of mere mortals. 
God says in Leviticus 19, which we just read, you shall be holy, for I, the eternal your God, am holy. God wants us to aspire to be like God, imitatio dei, imitation of God. Pharaoh would want nothing of the sort. It would be inconceivable that Pharaoh would say, try to be like me. Unimaginable. And then, in Leviticus 19, as we read, God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus and Hillel, who lived at the same time as Jesus, said all of the Torah can be described in that one line. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are all equal. You all deserve love. But most of all, the real God has to prove to Pharaoh, the false God, that Pharaoh is not divine. Pharaoh will die. Only God is immortal. Pharaoh is not God. He is simply human. Imperfect, frail, mortal, just like us. And that's our teaching. It is too easy for us to think that we are like Pharaoh. We might presume to have power. We can live lives isolated from the nasty stuff of the real world. It is far too easy in a world of privilege and power to delude ourselves into thinking that we, like Pharaoh, are godlike. But that is the definition of the narcissist. It is all about me. I can do it all alone. I am a great success. I am invincible. Narcissism is idolatry. It goes against the very first of the Ten Commandments. The one is, that is key to all the rest. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods in place of me. You shall not be God. What is idol worship? In all honesty, we are not in the habit of bowing down to clay statues or tree gods or inanimate rocks. We do not build literal golden calves. That is not what idolatry means in our lives. Our idolatry is the worship of self, imagining that we are God, but idolatry is an affront to God. Whenever I tell the story of the Israelite slaves in the land of Egypt, being freed from Egypt, being taught 36 times in the five books of Moses in the Torah, you always remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. Therefore, remember what it felt like to be a slave. Therefore, make sure that others aren't oppressed. Treat the stranger in your midst as a native. It never says, therefore, hate the Egyptians. It says, learn from the experience of slavery so that you will always fight against slavery and oppression. But when I say that, that's only part of the lesson. There is another teaching that's important that we take from Egypt. Always remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt, that Pharaoh ruled over you. Therefore, don't become Pharaoh. Despots, dictators, and demagogues are self-indulgent and reverential. For them, it is always about the self. Narcissus gazed upon his visage in the mirror-like surface of a pond. 
He was too entranced by the image of himself to allow room for any other person in that reflection. He could see only himself. The person who can see only oneself is, in many ways, denying the God in the other. Hillel, the elder, the greatest of the rabbis of his time, the time of Jesus, said, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? But if I am only for myself, then what am I? That lesson helps define the decent, fully ethical human being. We are not God. God is eternal. We aren't. Humans are mortal. This is the ultimate proof that we are not God. We die. Only God is eternal. And because we die, and we know that we will die, life is meaningful. Let us always remember that we too are human. None of us should be so presumptuous as to think that we are God. Anything else is idolatry. Narcissism is heresy. It is more than a psychological disorder. It is a desecration of God's name. Pharaoh thought he was God, and he thought he would live forever. He forced his slaves to build tombs and pyramids to contain his riches after the afterlife. I have been to Cairo and Giza and Saqqara. I can report back to you that the pyramids are empty. Tomb robbers, thieves, and looters have long since taken away all the riches. There is nothing left, only hollow edifices. The poet Shelley wrote in Ozymandias, I met a traveler from an ancient land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look at my works, ye mighty and despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. So to the life of Pharaoh and his great monuments to himself and others like him. His name might be emblazoned on the pedestal of a destroyed statue, but over the course of time, nothing remains, just barren sand. The narcissist is an idolater of the self, but time and history will eventually reduce his reputation to dust. Yes, only God is eternal, but there is still a form of immortality available to each of us, the good name, the wondrous works and timeless teachings, the sweet memories of moral leadership. Let us always remember who we are and what we can strive to be. Returning back to Leviticus 19, it says, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. There is a difference between shall and am. God says, I am holy. God is. But then God says, you shall be holy. Strive to be holy. Strive to be God-like in terms of your values, the teachings that I have taught you. We are to aspire to be like God, but not assume that we are God. Let us recognize that which is greater than ourselves, and let us always seek to discover the true greatness 
that is within ourselves, then our lives will be meaningful, fulfilled, and blessed. Amen.